Trevor, and we are the Boo Crew. Welcome to episode 182. Here's a Boo Crew Fright Pack. The third most profitable movie based on return on investment is the original 2007 Paranormal Activity. The film's production budget was $450,000, but was made for $15,000. The film's approximate profit was well over, at this point, $193.4 million. Ooh. Wow. It's continually growing. So it's like hard to say like, oh, it made this much because it's constantly making money. If you haven't already done so, it helps the show so much and would mean the world to us if you stop by Apple Podcasts, not only to rate the show, but to write us a quick review. We will read your review and say hey at the top of the show like Leo's going to do right now. Yeah, this one comes from Sarah Caitlin and she writes greatest podcast of all time. Confession time. (laughs) I've been the biggest Boo Crew nerd since they had less than 10 10 episodes, and here I am writing my first review years later. Such a fail on my part to not support in this small way. Trevor, Lauren, and Leo are my comfort zone. They have brought so much spooky happiness in my life when I need a little escape. And the coolest part? I had the pleasure of meeting them in real life at Monsterpalooza, and they are so genuinely nice and sweet. I tried cheating on you guys and listened to another horror podcast, <laughs> and I lasted 10 minutes. <laughs> Bukuru has the best quality sound, spooky voices, and upbeat vibe. I love you guys. Thank you for all your hard work. Here's a woo for you guys. Aww. And she rated us five star. Yay, Yay. Sarah, Caitlin, thank you so much. That was so nice. That's so nice. And thank you for sticking with us that long. I mean, that's crazy. I I remember meeting her. I know exactly who she is. Yes. At Monster Palooza? (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I missed Monster Palooza, and we were supposed to do it again this year. We had our booth set up. We had even a a sweet spot, another sweet spot this year, a different spot than last year. It was. Amazing. Yeah, we were really looking forward to it, and I'm sure you were too. Yeah. Monster Palooza out here for anyone who doesn't live in the LA area is an incredible annual convention, kind of focusing on the art of monster making, really. Pat McGee has a setup there, yeah. an incredible makeup designer and prop maker who does all the interior maze monsters for Universal Horror Nights, both here and in Florida. And it's just a celebration of monster making and horror and just. Everybody goes there, and it's just a big, happy horror family. So it was a great time, and again, something that we missed being able to do this year, and I'm sure you did too, and it's going to be back next year. We can't wait. It's going to be the return. It's going to be the biggest one ever. The best part of Monster Palooza for me, Mm -hmm. 48 hours without our children. 48 hours. Pretty much, yeah. It's like the only time, I, I mean, I see them at night, and I'm like, hey! Good night. <laughs> and then <laughs> back to the convention center. And I'm like, oh, I gotta right. go work. Sorry, guys. It's oh, so fun. Anyways, I'm gonna stop dreaming. But yes, <laughs> it's so fun. It's just being the energy in there is unreal because you're with a bunch of people that love horror as much as you do and super, super creative people, whether it's makeup or people making purses or lights or i'm always shopping there we got another review lauren what do we got you know what i'm gonna hand this review off to you i think that you can do it justice <sighs> oh let's see here. what we got here mm-hmm. so wow you. okay this requires a little bit of mood setting music here i think challenge accepted all right this is from wow this is from earl's mr e who says read like or read by trevor or read by Trevor? Yep. I guess I'll read it. Yeah. yeah. The Boo Crew you, is a five-star podcast made up of three supernova hosts, all of whom deliver a unique blend of knowledge and expertise that can only be found in mortals who immerse themselves in all that is gloriously horror. 
from Trevor and his mesmerizing, adjective-filled introductions of each guest that bewitch them and leave us transfixed and craving to hear more about their charmed lives, just as a vampire craves the blood of innocent souls. To Lauren, Trevor's best half and supermom of four wonderfully blessed children. She brings a sweet and enchanting touch to the crew. Her perpetual love for all things horror is that of an amaranth that propels her to keep their home in a state of eternal Halloween that will bedazzle anyone who crosses the threshold of the Shand Manor. Leone brings a malif- mellifluous is that the word? Mellifluous? Mellifluous tone to the trio? Yeah. Adding meticulously thought out comments and asking scrupulous questions of their guests that conscientiously exemplifies his love and appreciation for their craft. These three will go down in history as the podcast that draws horror fans together, as a beacon draws the Miller Moths onto itself. Trevor must not be, be beguiled by the thought that his inspirational and encouraging introductions should cease. They must continue because they uplift and revive the spirits of those he speaks of. As a small-time horror filmmaker myself, I can only dream of one day hearing him take the narrative of my life, a monochrome still image, and magically transform into a vivid technicolor feature. One day. Signed, Earl Martin. Five stars. Wow. Wow. Okay. Wow. Uh, I'm I'm speechless. Wow. When I first read this, Earl, I literally started crying. I started tearing up because that, I just can feel like you're just so supportive of me being a mom and you totally get it. Like you get what the magic I'm trying to bring to my kid's childhood. And I just... The fact that you picked up on that is just amazing and it's so kind and just everything you said, you just wrote so beautifully and my gosh, you seriously made my my week. Beautifully decorated words, wasn't it, Leo? Yeah. Very well done, Mr. Earl. Very, very creative and very inspired. That's a little sweet scream award for Earl. Yes. Yes, he definitely deserves one. (laughs) I mean, seriously. Short. Or a short screenplay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Amazing writing, too. Hey, man. Yeah. We got to see Earl's movies. Yeah, Earl, yes. we can't wait to have you in the studio one yeah, day. Yeah, let us know. When you make these movies, let us know. Now we want to see them, so. Well done, Mr. Earl Martin and Sarah Caitlin. Thank you so much, you guys. Yes. Those made our month. Amazing reviews from both you guys and... Uh, Thank you, guys. If you'd like to do the same, hit us up, the Boo Crew on Apple Podcasts, and we will read your reviews at the start of the show. This time around, we are joined by the writer-director as well as the star of the spectacular new film, Freaky. At time of release in theaters and drive-ins Friday, November 13th, Chris Landon and Catherine Newton. Hang out to hear how the whole idea of the story came about to the journey Catherine took to embody Vince Vaughn's character in this gory, hilarious, and exhilarating body swap film. We'll get into the unique props, the poetry of the writing, and so much more. First, it's horror homework time. Let's get freaky! Mother, you should see what I'm getting for his birthday. It's a, a genuine Zuni fetish doll. I found it in a curio shop on 3rd Avenue. The Boo Crew dusts a fright flick off the shelf for Ah! Horror Homework. We're about to go around the room and around the World Wide Web, all the way out to Leo in beautiful downtown Eagle Rock! (laughs) (laughs) To each highlight a horror flick to each other and possibly even to you that we consider a must-see or perhaps worth a revisit, starting as usual with Leo. Greetings, you freaks and ghouls. Have you guys seen? Now, I took a little nostalgic trip down memory lane to the 1970s to check out a movie that I haven't seen in ages, and it took me a while to track it down because I did not realize it was a trilogy. Did you guys see, have you guys seen, the trilogy of terror? No, I know of it, but I've never seen it. Ah, yes, 1975. Now, a trilogy of terror, what were you going to say? Leo 
always asks us, like, I know every time he's like, have you seen? And I'm like, we're going to be like, no. Because, like, every time he says, have you seen? We have not seen what he has seen. <laughs> I think he asks that on purpose, usually, too. He knows yeah. he's going to stump us. Yes. Yeah. Trilogy of Terror is the one that they had that auction for recently. Was it like a year oh, or no so way. ago? And they auctioned off, because it has Karen Black in it, right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. And there was this v- little voodoo doll statue yes, yes. that sold at auction. Remember, it was didn't it break records for yeah, how much it, it sold crazy. for? I forget how much it actually sold for. It was a few years ago. Yeah, one of the screen used dolls from Trilogy of Terror. Yeah, nineteen seventy five. Oh man, that's crazy. It took me forever to find this film because I, you know, I always forget that it's that third uh, segment, that third uh, movie within the trilogy. That has that doll. It's a story about that doll. I thought that was a different movie all these years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a Zuni Hunter doll. And it sold at auction for $204,000. I was like, what the heck? That's insane. I've seen stuff sell really high. But man. Yeah. And it wasn't even a Star Wars prop. It's a really cool looking doll, too. $200,000? Cool. If, you had, if you're a billionaire, hell yeah, easily. <laughs> if you're a billionaire, two hundred thousand bucks is like two hundred bucks, right? Okay, but you're not a billionaire. No. So, <laughs> anyway, Leo. Not. Anyway, back to your trilogy of terror. Movie's easy to find right now, but for many years, I, I couldn't put pieces together, figure out which movie this was. Ah. So when I found it, I'm like, I gotta watch this, you know. So because Karen Black, you know, and she's no longer with us, you know, she passed away, you know, years ago. She started in a bunch of a bunch of movies, and, and and this one in particular is directed by Dan Curtis, and it's a story by Richard Matheson, and it stars you know Karen Black. She plays four characters in the trilogy in, in three movies. She plays four characters. I mean, we know her because you know she was Mother Firefly in Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses, mm-hmm. Burnt Offerings, The Great Gatsby in, in '74, The Strange Possession of Mrs. Oliver. The last horror film and Eternal Evil. So she's like, you know, done a bunch of genre stuff back in the 80s and 70s, you know. So this trilogy is made up of three bizarre horror stories, all of which Karen Black stars in and plays four different characters, four different roles of tormented women. Now, this anthology horror film includes a trilogy of short stories uh, titled Julia, I'm sorry, Julie. And then the second one's Millicent and Therese. And the last one is Amelia. Well, let me just say that the first two play out as more of a drama horror. It's interesting because you have to put your mindset, you know, back in the 1970s and think, what would scare you back then, right? To me, it kind of felt like the early days of the, of the big twist, you know, like before the M. Night Shyamalan twists, you kind of got that in this movie, you know, in 1975. So I go, oh, thinking back, that what would it be like in 75 watching this? Would it be scary? Would it be terrifying? You know what? I could, yeah, I could definitely see that. The first two, because, you know, it has a creepy twist. As to the character that she plays and all that stuff, you know, so it's very well done. Part three, Amelia has gone down as one of the scariest set pieces in cinema history. Wow. So when you ask about a $200,000 prop, maybe that's why. So yeah, it's the Zuni hunting fetish doll, that like African warrior looking doll. And I'll tell you, when the movie gets going, it it gets going quick because each segment is like 20 minutes. So it's a very short movie overall, you know. I mean, that doll is fucking terrifying. The way they shot it, the way they filmed it, it kind of reminds me you of like other stuff you've seen. And then you realize that, oh, there's a reason for that. So the, the infamous um, devil doll segment, Amelia, is just a more violent version of the living doll episode of Twilight Zone, the Talking Tina. Of course, this would lead to Chucky and the Towels Play franchise 10 years later. Crazy. So as you can see, it was kind of the start. If you look at how they shot it and how it's filmed, it's really creepy. When that doll attacks, it's frightening. The music, the score, the quick edit, the cuts, and how she's like bleeding and, you know, it's really frightening. It's very well done. So definitely worth it uh, checking out. Cool thing is, this movie's currently streaming on Amazon Prime uh, video. So check it out. If you have Prime Video, definitely check it out. It's one of those movies that, you know, you don't see out there streaming all that often. Once again, Trilogy of Terror, 1975. How long is this movie, Leo? It's like an hour and 11 minutes. <laughs> Sweet Scream Award, everybody. Oh, yeah. Sweet Scream <laughs> yeah. Award. Trevor's down. Yes. Hour and a half or under. Boo Crew Sweet yep. Scream Award. 
Well, Lauren and I checked out a movie on VOD from 2018, The Fantastic, I'll Take Your Dead. Leo, have you seen it? <laughs> I have not seen it. Oh, no. well done, dude. See, see. <laughs> so first off, this must be said, it's an hour and a half or under. Clocking in at one hour, 23 min- minutes, Ooh. which means for all intents and purposes, it certainly earns. A sweet yes. scream war. Yes. <laughs> Created by Canadian director Chad Archibald and writer Jamie LaForest, the two have teamed up on a variety of releases like 2015's multi-award winner Bite and 2017's multi-award winning The Heretics, which both look amazing, and now we really want to dive into those films. This one, I'll Take Your Dead, focuses on the story of a man played by Aiden Devine who has a unique occupation. He's the guy you take bodies to when you want them to disappear turns out there is something off with his latest delivery and what you get is a fascinating and fast-paced supernatural crime thriller that does not bore you whatsoever yes so i made trevor watch this because i started watching it once i start watching a movie that i know he's gonna like i'm like all right i gotta stop it so we can so watch I do it. the same thing yes well, I don't know if I'm going to watch Hell House, Hell House LLC, LLC but, to yeah. the Abaddon Hotel, <laughs> it's very yeah. nice which I've not that. been able to watch yet because you won't watch it with me. Well, we've been watching great movies That's like true. This. It's true, but I do want to watch the end of it so I can watch the third yeah. and then go back and watch the first. Okay. Anyway, back to this. I'll take your dead. Yes. Incredible, by the way. And that's a good litmus test. Like if it's that good when you're watching it and you want your significant other, your boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, whoever, family member, and you're like, you know what? I can't watch the rest of this without that other person to enjoy it with. It's that good. Yes. I (laughs) noticed right away. I'm like, okay, the acting is amazing. The little girl, Ava Preston, she's just a brilliant little actor and she just sucks you in like her story and her storytelling she's a centerpiece of this movie too yeah definitely the way she plays it like the emotional arcs and does absolutely horrifying to horrified to unsettling to awkward to sad it's amazing to watch it's got action it's got ghosts great writing great acting it's got it all i kind of say it's like quentin tarantino meets the notebook in a haunted house. The notebook. Wow. Yeah, it's like tearjerker. But it's not like a love story. Yeah, kind of is. Kind of is a love story. I kind of know a lot about the notebook. And yeah, I but not don't... like, not you know, I'm not saying like it's the follows the plot line of the notebook. I'm just saying it brings the feels. There's okay. a love story at the center of it. Not a, con- you know, not yeah. that conventional love story you think of, but there's a love story in the middle of it. It's got a heart. It does. Ari Millen is the name of the guy who plays the bad guy in this. You just love to hate this guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I want to smack oh him. Oh, my gosh. If I could smack him, I'd totally smack <laughs> He's him. a great bad guy. But, yeah, like I'm wow. saying, indie film, incredible acting, incredible cast. Ari actually won an award for his work on the TV show Orphan Black. He won a Canadian Screen Award for that. Nice. And this movie was shot in Canada. In Ontario in the wintertime. So and as a former cold. Yeah, as a former resident of Ontario, Canada in the wintertime. <laughs> home of what we talked about last episode. Hookers Beavers. Hookers Beaver Tales. Hookers Beavers. Hookers, yes. beavers. <laughs> Hookers Beavers. Hookers Beaver Tales. Let's get that right. What? Let's get that right. <laughs> if you missed it, <laughs> Beaver Tail. Is a Canadian delicacy, not the yeah. real tail of a beaver, but like a churro flattened. Like a fried dough treat. That's that's yeah, we, what they need. Oh, yeah, yeah. beavers, yeah. Uh. yeah. <laughs> Who's that half our audience, man? Smoked beaver tails. Yeah, exactly. My gosh. No. So Chad Archibald got the idea for this movie after being hired to do a film meant to keep kids out of gangs. And he was sent to all the major cities in Canada to interview kids who were in shelters that have been affected by gang violence, which was incredibly eye-opening to him. He also talked to parents who worked normal nine to five jobs. And one day they meet the wrong person and it changes their lives forever. And they go down a different trajectory and a horrible path that is run by people who manipulate them. Then he got the idea for this film and wrote this amazing movie. That makes sense. 
And it was made by Chad's production company, Black Fawn Films. I just can't wait to see more of the back catalog. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes out of these guys next. Because I just love this movie. And it's called... I'll Take Your Dead. I'll Take Your Dead. Hey, it's Christopher Landon. It's time to chat horror with the Boo Crew. Great. We're going to get killed by Murder Barbie. Time to stop this asshole. We're in this together. I want my body back. Come and get it. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio are two thrilling and evocative storytellers. She made her debut on perhaps the most well-loved TV show of all time, the multi-Emmy award-winning cultural mainstay, All My Children, the award-winning Gary Unmarried for CBS, Jake Kasdan's multi-award-winning Bad Teacher, recipient of a Young Artist Award for Paranormal Activity 4, was in Mad Men, one of the top-rated TV shows in history, with five Golden Globes, Greta Gerwig's five-time Oscar-nominated Lady Bird in 2017, Supernatural, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, Netflix's The Society, and David E. Kelly's four-time Golden Globe-winning Big Little Lies for HBO. She's got a wonderful, palpable confidence that jumps off the screen. She's an absolute delight to watch in everything she's in with this insane ability to handle comedic timing action to dramatic and dark content all while making you feel really invested in these immersive characters she creates he is a great friend of the show you will not find a more passionate filmmaker with such a reverence and zest for the horror genre and not only the horror genre but in bringing an audience in with these loving arms to play in a world of rich characters you attach yourself to instantly his film's are so incredibly unique because he understands the mechanics of all the reasons we are all so obsessed with the genre. He's fearless, reckless even, with pushing all the elements of gore, suspense, and adventure. What makes them unforgettable, though, is the way he builds those experiences around a massive beating heart. He's written almost all the Paranormal Activity films, a multi-award-winning classic, Disturbia, brought a scout's guide to the zombie apocalypse, and two of the best films made, in the past decade, an instant classics. Let's just be honest. Happy Death Day and its sequel, Happy Death Day to you. Here with their remarkable new film, Freaky, out Friday, November 13th. We are honored to welcome Chris Landon and Catherine Newton. Yeah! yeah. 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 I can die now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Guys, congratulations yeah. on this film. We've seen it probably four times now, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's insane, <laughs> you guys. So just starting off, you probably answered this a zillion times, Chris, but tell us about the inception of this insane story. So my, my dear friend and co-writer, Michael Kennedy, he approached me with the idea. Actually, he was planning on going out and pitching the idea to a bunch of places and he just needed to rehearse with somebody. And it was one of those situations where I was like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll you know, do the favor. And he got about maybe two sentences into his pitch and in my head, I was already like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to own this bitch. <laughs> um, it was, it was, yeah, I mean, it was just, the, it was the cleanness of the concept. It was just the, the immediate promise of fun and mayhem that I was so, I was drawn to, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, within about 30 minutes of like sort of going back and forth and throwing, bouncing ideas off of each other, we, we made a pact to just sit down and write it together. And that's kind of how the whole movie came together. Now, casting this film is so important based on the nuances of the material, an incredible array of challenges for the two lead actors in particular. What about Catherine made her the perfect choice for Millie? You know, Catherine, first of all, Catherine and I, you know, as you know, worked together many years ago on Paranormal 4. And I have always been a fan and I've loved watching her grow and her career sort of just completely take off. And I just knew that there was a, a, there was a true strength and confidence and capability in her that I think is rare. She's incredibly intelligent and thoughtful and she really understands and deep dives into these characters. And she just approaches everything with so much zest and excitement. 
and so it just felt like there were, I just couldn't think of anybody else that was going to be able to pull off the complexity of it, you know, because it's, it's a super tough role because she is balancing between these two different parts. And so she had to really breathe life and set the table for Millie and her story. And then she had to transition into this sort of mindless machine of a killer. And it's a really incredibly tough role, but, you know, Catherine is just one of those people that I think really attacks stuff with a fearlessness that I think you have to have to pull it off. And one of the things that I always really try to do when I make films is to work with people that I genuinely like because you're with each other all the time. And Catherine's one of those people. She's just super fun to be around. So I love you, Catherine. (laughs) That was so nice to hear you say that. Oh my gosh. It makes me feel so like, so good. It's just, wow. The Boo Crew will be right back. From the spine-chilling world of the living dead comes a never-to-be-forgotten combination of motion picture thrills. Two great new terror hits on one sensational program at your movie theater. Horror of Dracula. Plus, the thing that couldn't die. Horror of Dracula. Dracula, the terrifying lover who lusts for human blood. Dracula, the human vampire who rises each night from his coffin bed to seek the rendezvous that alone can keep him alive. Who will be the bride of Dracula tonight? Horror of Dracula. All new and in flaming Technicolor. Plus this second thrill hit, the thing that couldn't die. What is it, this head that lives without a body? A monstrous thing that enslaves every woman, destroys every man who stares into its eyes. See both on the same show. Horror of Dracula and the thing that couldn't die. Well, Catherine, in a lot of projects, I would imagine, as Chris was talking about, a lot of time is spent developing a character entirely on your own and bringing them to life through a mix of direction and choices that you make as an actor. Describe the process of getting the chance to collaborate on a shared role with you and Vince. Well, from the moment that I got to see Chris and we we had coffee and we talked about the character, this movie is so crazy and you know, it's insane. Right. But the truth is, is there was so much that I related to in Millie that it just made it easy, you know, and to hear Chris too, like talk about who he thought Millie was and like his own life and personal experience of growing up and being in high school. I think we can all relate to that. Like we can all relate to bullies and growing up and not knowing who you are. Right. So that was something that grounded me immediately for Millie. Now to play the butcher, I had no idea what I was going to do. I had no idea. I was just thinking in my head, even in our meeting, Chris, I was like, I don't know how he thinks I'm going to do this. Like, I don't know what, but clearly he's crazy. So I'm just going to go with it and see if it works out. And then we had Vince and Vince blew me away. Like, I think he blew all of us away just because in a way of like, you don't know that people are going to give 110% ever. Like you don't know that. And when we got there the first day I met Vince, we were in rehearsal together doing dance rehearsal and he was going for it. And you know that like, that's ridiculous to meet somebody while you're learning how to do a dance routine, you know, you're making a fool of yourself. So like we all signed up to get bloody and go for it. And from the very beginning, everyone was down. I mean, on our first rehearsal, I was still really nervous because I'm a huge fan of Vince and I, but I was so comfortable with Chris, like Chris really, I don't know if I would have been able to do it without Chris, like really thinking about it now. Like it was really big. It was a big choice to do this movie because it's risky. It's kind of like, you don't know how it's going to turn out, but then we had our rehearsal and I was being the butcher and Vince was being Millie. And he's like, okay, I want to know if you can kill me now. Like show me if you can really freak me out. I'm like, okay. And then I realized that's the truth. You just have to go. And everyone's down and everyone wants everyone to do a good job. So we just went for it. No, you couldn't hold back. Once you, once we said we were going to do this movie, everything changed. Everything was like a train. We just took off. Through everything that you've done, what about this experience are the things that are unique to Chris as a director? You make really bold choices. We can see you pushing yourself. What does he do to make you feel so safe and free? I really 
knew that Chris knew what he wanted. There was never any doubt in the scenes or like, you know, you have a big sequence or something off the cuff or something crazy with a chainsaw, but it was always like set what I knew he wanted. And when you have that kind of synergy with somebody, you feel like you can't make any mistakes because everyone's getting what they want and then you can just keep piling on. So all the, I just always felt like in good hands, like I wasn't ever going to do anything wrong because I really believed I knew Chris knew what he wanted and I was doing what he wanted. So I don't know how to explain that, but sometimes you feel like maybe blind or you're like, I'm just going to wing it. It really wasn't like that. You know, it was more like Chris is such a good communicator and he's just, he's clearly knew the movie he was making. It was like he sees it in his head. I really feel like that. Is that true, Chris? Like, did you, do you, you know, the movie that like, I just feel like I definitely watch the movie in my head. And it's actually, it's kind of a weird thing to describe to people in terms of the writing process, but that's actually really what the writing process for me is like. It feels like I'm watching a movie unfold in my head and I'm just transcribing it. Right. Um, and so I think by the time I get to set, I, I do know what I'm looking for, exactly what I'm looking for. And to Catherine's point, once you kind of click, I think you all really do become like one, almost like one brain trust the movie and you're all kind of moving toward the same thing at the same time. And then, and honestly, sometimes my job is only just to sort of provide like bumpers in case you start to veer a little off course, you know, I kind of knock you back a touch, but like at rarely it's, I don't have to do that very often when I work with people like Catherine and Vince. I just felt like you understood me. Maybe just as an actor, or maybe I was on on for what you like the character and where I was. But with when you're when you have that kind of situation, it, it doesn't happen all the time. So it was really a great experience. I mean, making this movie was so easy. It was so much fun. I, I, I everyone was always talking about that too. We even had like a Friday the Thirteenth, so we had like this magical day. So it just felt like this movie has been really lucky from the start and always a surprise. Like I would have never thought that I'd be doing another, like uh, another horror film with Chris Landon, even though I've been trying, <laughs> trying to get into movies for years, Yeah. let alone one this great. I just, the way it turned out, I'm blown away. Yeah, Catherine, uh, playing your character Millie after the switch, what was the motivation as directed by Chris for how your character talks, walks and your subtle movements? Oh, wow. Well, that was really collaborative. I mean, we started in rehearsal with Vince and we talked about physicality and how it was going to change from Millie. Like there's a big drastic difference between the two roles, but um, it was just about keeping it grounded and really playing the situation of what was going on. You know, if I'm having a chainsaw and I, you know, I'm going to walk taller, you know, I'm going to be more confident, but Chris really knew what he wanted in that situ in those situations too. Like Chris isn't an actor, but, but you could be. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could you know what was interesting about it too, though, was like Vince, Vince was really helpful and instrumental. I think in, in some of the stuff, like I remember in yeah. during one of our rehearsals, like he talked a lot about like Catherine's center of gravity. Right. Where, where she carried her body from. And it was like, kind of like from her rib cage. It was like this sort of, and that's what I think it was this sort of, it helped kind of create a certain posture and gait that's very different from Millie's. And Vince was a, is a very good physical actor and a good physical teacher and worked a lot with all of us. And that's the thing that I, I think ultimately helps the movies too, is that I try to foster an atmosphere where like all ideas are welcome and all input is welcome. Cause then there's no ego. Like we're all kind of in this thing together and we're just trying to make it good. It really felt like that too. Anything went, you know, we had to try stuff cause I don't, I definitely didn't know how to be a butcher immediately. It was definitely together. I think, I think that killer was always in you. <laughs> <laughs> and she's very, and she's very, shy about it <laughs> Catherine newton is a killer <laughs> don't tell me it's a secret it's my secret but i feel like i also learned a lot on paranormal activity back in the day for horror films 
acting is different in a horror film. You tell the story through your body way more than in any other. Like if you're doing a comedy, it's all dialogue and conversation and character driven. And on this movie, the butcher never really speaks rarely, rarely, but that doesn't mean that she's not saying a lot. Like, so it was all in the eyes and it was all really specific. Like, like Vince talked a lot about posture and like head tilt, you know, when, when are you going to use that? And I love that part of horror films, you know, when the audience is like ahead of the killer or the victim and like kind of knows what's going to happen before the characters do. And you get that kind of throwback in this movie too. And, um, you know, we never really thought about it. That was like, but now looking back, I learned so much from paranormal and I definitely did that again in this movie. It's interesting thinking about it now. One of my most favorite scenes, and my gosh, I have so many favorite scenes, is when yeah. Millie, who's the Blissfield butcher, is walking into the school and she's got the red jacket on, which <laughs> I noticed you're wearing a red jacket. Is that the red jacket? I'm cosplaying today. It's a different red jacket, but, you know, I had to get it. I had to pull it out for this. It's amazing. I'm like wearing nice. only leather for the press tour. And just that scene with the confetti falling down and there's cheerleaders in the background and everything is moving so slow. It's literally movie magic. Uh, Chris, can you talk about creating that scene and how hard was that to do? Yeah, let's talk about that scene. Let's <laughs> talk about that scene, guys. I, so yeah. when, I when, when we were writing, that was a, that was a, a moment I, I visualized very specifically. Like, it, and it turned out exactly the way that I, that I imagined it, which doesn't always happen. And I, you know, I had, I always create a playlist for every movie that I write. And so that, the, all those, the, both songs in that, in that scene are, are on my playlist that I created many, many months before we ever shot the movie. And it was interesting because whenever you're making a film, there are forces that conspire against you. And against the odds, it still came out the way I wanted it to. So um, it was it was great because there's just there were a lot of there's all it, it seems like a simple thing, but it's not. And there are a lot of elements involved. But I knew that I wanted an iconic moment for the butcher's arrival at this school. And I kind of reached back to like sort of, you know, movies of the past and things that I've loved. And I always feel like, you know, you need those beats in, in a movie like this. And that definitely felt like it. So like the idea of always really staying behind Catherine the whole time until we come into the actual school. And it's almost like it works on multiple levels because it's a glamor shot. I mean, she's looks amazing and it's beautifully lit and there's confetti falling around her. And it's a moment that's typically designated for like, you know, like the sweetheart, you know, who, you know, it's, it's like a Cinderella moment, but now we've pushed it through a different lens and it's actually a horror moment that plays like a Cinderella moment. Right. Oh my God. Such a genius. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that's what I wanted it to be, you know, because so much of what we're doing in the film is playing on tropes. And this is a movie that, all most body swap movies exist in a very fanciful, sweet, cute world. And so the fun of this movie is that we just throw a bucket of blood on that. <laughs> I, I keep telling people that like, yeah, we've made like the goriest, most fucked up Disney movie ever. Yeah. So that was one of those scenes that I was, I was really happy that it turned out the way that it did. Cause I think it's, it's cool and it's fun. And you know, you don't want to know how many times the confetti flew in my nose. Okay? Oh my <laughs> Catherine must have been shitting confetti <laughs> for days. And there's confetti in your lips. It just doesn't work. Your poop went to a party because it was a lot. Yeah, there were there was like other shots where it was like, oh my god, it's so perfect, but there's one piece of confetti caught on her eyelash. Stop. <laughs> you know? I'm going to get a little sentimental here. My favorite line in this film is, I don't want you to wake up one morning and realize your whole life passed you by because you were busy being everything to everyone but yourself. And that really resonated with me as a parent because, you know, we put our kids first all the time and so many other people. 
And and I'm sure this resonates with all kinds of people in different kinds of situations. When did you come up with that beautiful line? So I was I was writing that scene and I have there's a person that was in my life. She was sort of like my my second mom and um she passed away uh, a few years ago and she just she lived for everybody else and and what always broke my heart and breaks my heart to this day is that i always felt like she sacrificed so many of her own wants and dreams and needs because she was such a giver and such a caretaker and and i've often played that role in my own life to other people and and I think while it's also a beautiful thing, it's a dangerous thing because, you know, there's, you just have to still try and find time to figure yourself out and do things for you. And I think that Millie is a character and Catherine and I talked a lot about this. Millie is a, she's a genuinely loving, kind person to a fault. And she's so sensitive to her mother's needs and her mother's grief that she's not even attending to her own she hasn't given her permission or the space to do it and so that moment and nyla as a character in the film is sort of the grounded voice of reason in the film i think she's the most centered character in the movie and i think that she sees this person that she wants to flourish and is she sees that millie's holding herself back and so yeah that was a, that was a line that spoke to me and my own experience and and sort of my experience with with this you know this with my my second mom so yeah that was the, the place that line came from in experiencing freaky another thing we see too something you start to notice is this magic trick it's a crafty bit of sleight of hand where you start to notice how the kills and the violence that are going on are not only incredibly gruesome but that you've managed to weaponize the impact of those experiences by giving them a cathartic purpose mm-hmm. Tell us about the power of creating a world where even the deaths matter. So, right. This is a revenge fantasy. Also, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think it's what's interesting about the movie is that in, in Millie's orbit are people who, who are abusive and they're bullies. And bullies are always sort of are, are drawn to people they deem weak because they themselves are weak. Right. Um, and so what's fun about the movie is that these same bullies throw themselves at Millie, um, not realizing that they're now fodder. They're now just like prey, easy prey. And so there is kind of this fun payoff to that. I mean, Catherine, I'm actually curious, like, did you, like, did you have any sort of like cathartic bully fantasy stuff happening when you were, when you were making this? I mean, you love to see the bad guy go down. And it's interesting that the butcher is the bad guy, but you're rooting for him. The audience is rooting for him. So it's cool just watching the movie to, to you never get out of it. Like you never are pulled away from it. You're always in it and always rooting for Millie and the butcher. It's so strange how you did that. It's very complicated, but it really worked. And for me, absolutely. I had so much fun. Like the scene where I, you know, kill the boys. yeah i mean for sure i was living out so many fantasies because yeah you do know me chris and you know i'm i'm i i am totally millie like i'm so millie but there is a part of you that is kind of like the butcher or wants to be like the butcher does everything that millie never could or and a lot of people can't a lot of people nobody can do what the butcher did but like some of the things the butcher says you know they're like deep deep down things that like you think maybe, and then you push them away and the butcher just does them. So it's always fun to, in a movie for me to play a character that does get to explore that. Cause um, you know, I'm not going to say those things that the butcher says, but I know that I can, if I wanted to. Yeah. And you've thought them. <laughs> I love, I love those lines like in the mini golf area when she like shuts all the boys down and it's just so smart. I don't know. So, yes, I definitely had fun doing that. (laughs) There are so many iconic props in this movie. You can literally see my drool hit the floor. (laughs) Uh, The Latola dagger is a thing of 
freaking beauty and the mask and even the pig alarm clock. <laughs> yeah, you love the pig I alarm do. clock. <laughs> uh, what went into designing the dagger? How many versions were made and how can we get one? Right now? Hey, okay, let's start. Let's start back to front. I'm going to try and get that dagger for you. Oh. Oh <laughs> I'm going to work on that. I'll work on that right away. You know, I'll be honest, you know, we, so the production designers that I worked with, they're unbelievable. And um, Hillary and Courtney, we, we knew that we wanted the Dola to be a character of the film. And so we created a, a sort of a whole lore that we also knew that we could really integrate into the movie. And so we wanted to give it a sense of place and a sense of purpose and its own identity. And strangely enough, we conceptualized it pretty quickly and only made one version. We, we never drew up or, I mean, it was, we knew what we were after. We pulled a lot of different sort of imagery of, of, of various artifacts and really focused on, on the Aztec culture. And, and I knew that I wanted a jewel set in the eye so that we had something supernatural to play with so that it could glow and it was activated because I wanted it to be a living dagger. And so, yeah, it was, it was a really fun process. It was sometimes stressful because, you know, at these budget levels, we don't really have the luxury to sort of conceptualize beyond paper. So it's not like I get to like create a bunch of like different versions of it and then pick one. So it, it kind of forces you to really hone in what you're after because you only get to pull the trigger once. So I'm I'm glad that it didn't look like a butter knife or <laughs> you know turn into something that it wasn't supposed to be. But yeah, it's it's a super cool, it's a really cool prop. We had real ones made, so they're they're heavy, so it's real metal and with real inscriptions on the actual blade and um, an actual gemstone in the eye. And so there's like a really cool really that we would use for sort of tight close-ups of it, and then. And then we had some rubber ones made for, for safety purposes and some other ones for kind of some of the, the stunty business that we do with it, but it was really cool. And then the, the mask was another really fun thing to create because that was um, another thing where I kind of dug into, into the history books and found an Egyptian mask that inspired what the butcher is wearing. And my favorite thing about it is, and this is, this is prop heaven is Tony Gardner, who, helped create the mask, who's the coolest guy in the world, actually made a mini version of it for my three-year-old son. Oh, wow. So cool. and, sent, and sent the butcher's cool. costume. So he, my son has a three-year-old version of, of the butcher. <laughs> that is nice. so nice. Amazing. That That's is so cool. So cool. Oh, my <laughs> God. So uh, sequel ideas for this. Freakier. i got my own theory i have my own idea i have my own idea to intersect because i've heard that happy death day and this uh, exist in the same universe and i have little easter eggs that i've see i think i see in the films that that could link it all together but i'm curious as to you what do you think i already got it written no (laughs) i've already written i've written freaky death day and uh, (laughs) and i'm not i think i'm more interested in the idea of Catherine. And Jessica Roth having to sort of like get together and be like, you think your shit was weird. Um, <laughs> you so know, cool. like these are two. Well, what I love about, I think one of the things that, that I've tried to, to do in some small way is I've tried to update and modernize the idea of the, of the final girl and who she is and what she's about. And I think that both Millie um, and Tree are, are really kind of cool cool girls that exist in now the sort of the horror sphere. And so, yeah, I mean, sure. There's always the, 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 the possibility of getting those, those two characters together and their shared experience and sort of seeing how that all kind of comes together. But I am, I'm, I'm very superstitious and I don't like jinxing movies that haven't come out yet, you know? So I don't think about, I, I might think about sequels or other crossover ideas, but I do not share them or put them out into the universe prematurely um, yeah. because I think it's bad luck. 
Well said. Uh, well said. That's well, a shitty answer. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Well, we've been told yeah, we got to yeah, wrap, yeah. right? So I think that's all, that's all the time, man. We could have gone for probably another hour. <laughs> we have like thirty that's more it. questions. We didn't talk about the pickle guy and the in the bed and the drawing. We want to ask about that. There's so many. Oh my questions, gosh! Yeah. So many questions. Oh my god! We've unpacked this film like we've looked at like the graffiti and the bat, everything, everything. I drew a lot of that. And and I have a cameo. What? Catherine, what? Still my cameo in the movie? No. You have to. It, it's it's in there. It's not physical. It's my voice. Oh. I have, I have a vocal cameo in the movie that you now have to try and figure out what it is. What is it? No, I want to know. Oh, oh is that going to drive you crazy? Yeah. So there's a commercial. You know, there's the commercial when Joshua <laughs> is watching the, and there's a commercial for Wicked. Yes. And at the Anastheater. I'm the voiceover. <laughs> I'm the voiceover in that commercial. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's nice. All right. I think, so, I think we're good, yeah. man. They're kicking us off. <laughs> I'm so sad. I wanted to talk forever. I know you guys. Seriously. Well, when, when this is over, come over. We'll have even more to say about it, I'm sure. Hopefully I'll have a door. Thank you guys so much, seriously. And congratulations yes. on this film, guys. Yeah. Nailed yeah. it. It's amazing. So good. Thank you so much, guys. See ya. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 182. Special thanks to our guests, Chris Landon and Catherine Newton. Follow them at the Chris Landon and Catherine Newton on Instagram and Creature Show, that's C-R-E-E-T-U-R-E-S-H-O-W, and Catherine Newton on Twitter. At time of release, check out Freaky in theaters and drive-ins Friday the 13th of November. If you like this conversation, download or stream episode 34 with Chris Landon. Landon and Jessica Roth. Woo-hoo. Yep, that's a good one. Production yes. tracks for this episode provided by Power Man 5000. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network. Home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews. SCP archives. Weekly full cast storytelling. Horror queers. Genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective. And creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepypastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.